Hey, this is Shane Valenstein, the pastor at City on a Hill Community Church. I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. I hope that this podcast helps you grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to learn more about our church, you can visit us at cityonahillmd.org. Enjoy the message. Today, we are in the final week of our At The Movie series. So get your fill on popcorn this week, because it's going to be gone next week, all right? Uh, but uh, we'll, we do this series every year, and it's always a lot of fun. I hope that you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. Um, the first week when I started off, I was like, hey, loosen up, okay? We're going to have fun. And you, you've done that. You've done a good job. And uh, I appreciate that and allowing, allowing us to, uh, to have a little bit of fun here at City on a Hill. But all month long, what we've been doing is we've been looking at different clips from movies and then learning lessons from them. Like we've been talking about, okay, this is what had happened in this movie. How can we learn from it? What, what do we find and how can we relate it to scripture? Because the thing with movies and, and television shows, and I think that the reason why they resonate with us so much is because they tell a story. They're telling us a story that we can sometimes relate to or in a good way or in a bad way, and they can stick with us. Stories have a lasting impact on, on our lives, and that's why we love movies and TV shows so much. So the first week we talked about Pirates of the Caribbean, and we, were, we talked about how we can't just lean on, on ourselves alone, but rather we need help. We need other people to help us with things, and we also talked about trusting in Jesus and what that looks like. And then week two, we talked about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and mentorship, and, uh, and we learned a lot about mentorship from Splinter and, and the Turtles and Raphael and, and thinking about right things and being intentional on what we're thinking about and, and thinking in, in positive things. And then the last week, we talked about Indiana Jones, and we, we, we learned how we have to, one, we're not able to fool God. We may be able to fool other people. We may be able to, to trick other people and, and, and be hypocritical in some ways, and other people may not know. But when it comes down to it, you can't, you can't make a fool out of God. You, you, can't, you can't mock God by any way, shape, or form. And then we talk about taking the next right step that, that's in front of us. So today, we're going to wrap up our series by talking about one of the greatest movies in the history of movies. Um, but uh, I think that it's also, you know, it's nostalgic because this movie is, is a huge movie for me in my childhood. But we're talking about The Sandlot. So I got my baseball jersey on today because... One, uh, the Orioles are very nice, and so that's great, <laughs> and, uh, but we're going to talk about Sandlot, we're going to talk about baseball, and uh, if you've never seen the Sandlot on Friday night, we actually showed it on our front lawn, and, and we had a great time watching the Sandlot, but we have some trivia, okay? So let me, let me tell you the prizes that we got for trivia. If you, if you haven't been here, we do trivia every week in our movie series, and we give away some prizes. So I have two prizes I'm going to show you, and then there's one prize that is a mystery prize that, that it's up to you if you want to go for it or not. So here's, here's what we got, okay? The first prize that, that, that you can win is a, uh, a Sandlot baseball jersey, okay, with Benny the Jet Rodriguez on the back, so stitched on, pretty good, pretty good. And then the other one that you can win is a uh, s'mores um, little, little caddy that is filled with chocolate and marshmallows and graham crackers. So if you want your s'mores on the go, there you go. I don't know if anybody has ever said that, but you can have your s'mores on the go. And, uh, you know, how can you have some more of nothing? That's a good question. Here you go. Thank you, Nicole. And then the other one is, is a mystery prize that you can win. So the way this is going to work, we've got three questions. If you get the answer right, you get to choose. 
you can get the mystery prize or you can get one of, one of these up here. And again, the rules for, for trivia is this. There, today is all multiple choice. I'm going to read the question while looking down. And then after I finish reading the question and all the multiple choice, I'll look up. First hand that I see, I'll call on. And if you get it right, it's, it's your choice. Sound good? All right, here we go. Question number one. What did Scotty Smalls say he thought Porter meant when he said the great Bambino? A, the great bimbo, B, the colossus of clout, C, baby Ruthie, or D, the great Bambi? Nope, not A. Yes, you're right, the great Bambi. Good job. So you get your choice. Or the mystery one, what would you like? The s'mores, that's a good choice. There you go. Congratulations. There you go. All right. Two more. What is Kenny, what is Kenny's famous pitch called? Is it called A, the cooler, B, the slicer, C, the heater, or D, the cheese? Dan, the heater's correct. What would you like? The jersey. There you go. I like it. All right. Now for the mystery prize, okay? Question number three. At the end of the movie, Benny the Jet Rodriguez is playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. What is his jersey number? A, three, B, eight, C, 10, or D, 13? Nope. Go ahead, Steve. Nope. No. <laughs> hey. <Autumn>. Congratulations. <laughs> I I've never I've never been more embarrassed to be your pastor. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> well, your mystery prize is you get tickets to the Orioles game on Friday night. So there you go. You got two tickets, so you get to choose who you would like to take. They're in section 83, I believe. I have them, so they're pretty decent seats. So there you go. You get to go to the Orioles game on Friday. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, so the Sandlot, if you've never seen the Sandlot, one, you're killing me, Smalls. Two, <laughs> here's, a, here's a quick synopsis of the Sandlot, okay? If you've never seen it before in your life, here's a synopsis. When Scotty Smalls moves to a new neighborhood, he manages to make friends with a group of kids who play baseball at the Sandlot. Together, they go on a series of funny and touching adventures, and the boys run into trouble when Smalls borrows a ball from his stepdad that gets hit over a fence. So to be honest with you, I feel like this movie was just created for me. <laughs> because it came out in 1993, I was six years old at the time, and this is one of the first movies that I remember going to the theater to see. Like, this is one of my first memories of at the movie theater. See, I don't know if it was the first movie that I saw in theaters, but this is the first one that I remember going to see in theaters. And it's a story about, obviously, baseball, which, if you know me, you know that it's, like, one of my favorite things in the world. It's a story about baseball. It's a story about friendship. It's a story about overcoming your fears. It's a story about stretching yourself. And it's a story about s'mores. It has everything that you could want in it. It's great. So the first clip that, that we're going to watch is actually a few clips in, in one that, that, that I, I had kind of edited together. 
So what, it's, this is towards the beginning of the movie. Scotty is the main character. He's also the narrator as, a, as an adult narrating the story. And Scotty moves into this new neighborhood. He's a new kid in town, and he wants to fit in with the local kids. But these local kids are obsessed with baseball. Scotty has never really played baseball. He doesn't really know a whole lot about baseball. He's kind of, a, kind of a little bit of a nerdy kid. And so he has trouble fitting in. And, and when Scotty, who's never played baseball before, he, he decides he needs, if he wants to fit in with these kids, he needs to talk to his stepdad, who he doesn't have the greatest relationship with yet. He's, he, they're learning each other. It's, it's a new relationship to them. His stepdad isn't necessarily a bad guy, but they just don't have that relationship yet, and it's difficult for him. And so he goes to his stepdad, and he asks him to, to help him play catch and to learn baseball so that he can fit in with these other kids in the neighborhood. And, uh, and you'll see what happens. And then after that, Scotty gets introduced to the other kids in the neighborhood, and it, be, and it can be kind of difficult for him. So that's a setup for the, for the clips that we're about to watch. You ready? Let's watch this. So we see that it's pretty easy to, to relate to Scotty here, okay? And uh, he, he's new. Things are uncomfortable. He doesn't quite fit in. And not only is he trying to make new friends, but he's also trying to come into an established group of friends. And I feel like we've all experienced that at some point in our life. When you come to, into a new group where everybody else knows each other, everybody else has a relationship with each other, and then all of a sudden you try to come in and be a part of that group, it's really difficult to find your way in because people have inside jokes, people have history, experiences that, that they've had in their life, and it's hard to, to, to make your way in. Earlier in the movie, um, Scotty describes the Sandlot as their own little baseball kingdom. That's how, that's how he describes it. And the greatest thing that he had ever seen, something that he wanted to desperately be a part of. But the thing that Scotty is looking for here is something that we all really are longing for, and that's acceptance. We all want to be accepted. We all want to have some sort of acceptance in our lives because acceptance is so important to us. If we don't feel accepted somewhere, then we aren't going to stay there. We have to find acceptance, to, to have a family, to be, to be a part of something. What, what good is it to have everything in the world and nobody to experience it with? We need relationships. We desire them. They are, they are vital to our health, to our mental health, to our physical health. They are so very important to us. And some of us need more friends than others, okay? Others are like, I don't need a ton of people, but you need somebody. You need some sort of relationship, some sort of acceptance. So Benny comes along, and he sees Scotty, and he knew that he needed friends. Not only did Scotty need friends, they needed a ninth player on their baseball team. So Benny was like, look, this is a win-win. We get a ninth player. He needs some friends. He, need, he needs some people to, to love on him. So he invites him to the Sandlot, and Benny was Scotty's way in right? He, he was his invitation. That's who he was. And it's so important to, to him. So let's look at what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. This is, this is Peter talking. He says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. 
Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, maybe, maybe you already feel like you're part of the kingdom. Maybe you already feel like you're part of the church. Maybe you feel like you're part of, of God's kingdom. You, maybe you feel like you already belong. Or maybe you're like Smalls. Maybe you're here and you're on the outside looking in, which can bring about misconceptions because you're trying to figure everything out. You don't know exactly what goes on in this church specifically if, if, you're, if you're new. And maybe you've been here for a long time and you're like, I still don't know exactly all the things that go on here at church, but I just show up on Sundays and, and I come here and there when I can, whatever it may be. And, and you're kind of on the outside looking in, but it can bring about misconceptions. And you could dismiss the kingdom or you could desire it but don't know if you're good enough for it. And these are all misconceptions that, that we could have. Maybe sometimes if you're on the outside in regards to the church, maybe you're in the world, the church has a lot of misconceptions about it. Some of them deserved because of the way the church has handled itself. Some of them are not accurate. And each church is different. Maybe you went to a church growing up that, uh, that was way different than this church. That can bring about some different thoughts that you may have about what your expectations are here, how you fit in here. Will you be accepted here? Maybe you weren't accepted at a previous place. Maybe you were accepted. I don't know your experiences. But regardless, we all bring in expectations and thoughts about what this place should, should look like. Or maybe you feel like, like Scotty, he felt like he wasn't good enough to be a part of the Sandlot. That's what he felt like. He was like, I, I'm not good at baseball. I don't know how to play. I don't know how to throw. He's nervous. He's scared. All these things. And he felt like, I'm not good enough. But Benny came along and was like, no, just come. Just, just be a part of this. Because the, the truth is this, that sometimes we have a hard time accepting acceptance. Sometimes we have a difficult time where we get to a place where we say, maybe somebody is trying to accept us, but we just push back on it. I, I can't accept the acceptance that you're offering me. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I don't know if I want to be a part of it because I don't know exactly what I'm being accepted into. It, this, is, this is uncomfortable for me. I, I just kind of want to be on the outside looking in. But Peter said, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I don't know if we understand that. That, that God created us as people, as his children, that he has set apart. Now, in the, in the Bible, they're talking a lot about the nation of Israel, and the nation of Israel is this holy, chosen nation. And it almost felt like an exclusive club. If you were not a part of the Israelites, then you were not in the club. And then Jesus came and changed all of that. And when Jesus came, and when he died, he didn't just die for the Israelites, or for the Jewish people, or for, for the Hebrew people. Rather, he died for every single man, woman, and child. Everyone. And what we believe here at City on the Hill is that God's love, grace, mercy, and salvation is available to every single person. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter your background, your heritage, none of that matters. It is available to every single person. And you do not need to prove yourself to anybody. You don't have to come in and say, well, I need to get pastor's approval. 
Well, if I need to get this person, you don't have to prove yourself to anybody. And sometimes church people may seem like the rest of the kids on the Sandlot team outside of Benny. If you, if you notice, I didn't show a ton of, of the other team, but they were not happy that Smalls was there. They were like, this kid, he's not any good. He's what, you're wasting our time, Benny, by bringing Scotty here. There's no point in bringing him here. He's just going to be a, a, a liability for us out there. We don't want him out there. And, and Jesus is kind of like Benny in this situation, where Benny walks up to Scotty on his front porch. He went after him, and he invited him. And not only did he invite him, when Scotty made an excuse, Benny had an answer for his excuse. Right? Scotty said, I'm sorry, my glove's busted. Can't, I can't go, I can't play. I would, you know, I would, but my glove's busted. He said, oh, no problem, I have an extra one. Here you go. He got rid of his excuses, eliminated it where he had nothing else to say. Sometimes Jesus does that for us. Oh, I, can't, I, can't, I can't get involved in church, I'm too busy. I got, I got, I got work, I, I got too many things going on, I can't, I can't make it. And Jesus takes away all of our excuses. But we're very good at coming up with new ones, aren't we? Very good at it. Very good at sitting there and being like, oh, well, now this is a problem. Now this is an issue. Well, this person was mean to me, or this person said this thing, or, the, or this situation is not a good one. And we can come up with a million different excuses everywhere along the way. But the truth is, you are accepted. You have a home. You are chosen by God. Will you trust it? And will you accept the acceptance that is being offered? It's, it's hard to do. Because we know this, if we accept the acceptance that Jesus is offering us, then all of a sudden, that now makes us vulnerable. And now puts us in relationship with people. And now, if, if I'm too involved at church and I'm not there, who's going to call me? I don't want to have to answer to anybody else. Now, if, I, if I'm too involved at church, are they going to expect me to, to do something else? Are they going to ask me to serve? Are they going to ask me to, to, to stand outside when it's raining with umbrellas like, like Kevin and Chase this morning and walk? Like, I don't want to do any of that sort of stuff. What are they going to ask me to do? And now it's vulnerable. Now, now people get to know you. And then it's like, okay, are they going to ask me to be a part of a community group and, then when I, and do life together with people? Are they going to invite me to have friends? I don't want friends because now if I have friends, now it's more people to care about and now it's like I'm vulnerable to get hurt. There's all these things that can go into it where we can create all these excuses and we don't want acceptance. Now, I'm not saying this is everybody, but this is a lot of us because when we feel acceptance, it changes our behavior. It changes the way we go about life. It frees you up to be yourself, but you're often worried, is myself good enough? what's going to happen once people actually get to know me? I kind of like just slipping in, sitting down, feel like I'm getting my check mark, feel like, all right, God, you saw me sitting at church. You saw me. Other people saw me. I got my check mark. Now I like to slip back out and go about my life because it makes me feel a little bit better about the way that I live the rest of the week if I show up on Sunday. A little bit better. But when you actually get involved somewhere, now, all of a sudden, it's not just sitting in the pew on Sunday morning, but rather, it's doing life together. And when you do life together with the people around you right now, it can be uncomfortable because now your dirty laundry may show. 
We don't like that. People may know my flaws. People may know my insecurities. People may know the ways that I fall short. They may actually get to know me, God forbid. And when they get to know me, will they still accept me then? That's the real question. They, they'll accept the facade that I put forth. Sure, yeah, absolutely. They'll accept that. But what about when they get to actually know me? Before we feel accepted, there is pressure to appear a certain way. There's pressure to impress others. There's pressure to fit in, to make sure that they like us. And then after we feel accepted, we're honest, we're open, we're vulnerable about who we are, and they get to see the real you. And that feels uncomfortable. Think about the first date that you ever went on with your spouse, if you're married, or maybe you've been in a relationship for a long time, right? The first date that you ever went on. I'm willing to bet that you were trying to put your best foot forward. Like, nobody goes on the first date and, like, is sloppy with their meal. Like, you, you probably think about, what meal am I going to order because I don't want to get something too messy, and then I get stuff all over my face or stuff stuck in my teeth. I want to make sure that I wear a nice outfit that, that looks good. I want to make sure that I'm representing myself to the best of my abilities, right? That's, that's the first date that you go on. And then all of a sudden, you've been married for 10 years, and now you poop with the door open, right? Like, it changes... <laughs> I don't know if that's you or not. I don't, you don't have to tell me. But, but it changes the amount that you're comfortable with somebody. They, they see the real you. They get to know who you are. Because when you're with them long enough, when you get to experience life with them long enough, all of a the sudden, they know who you are and you know who they are. And the scary thing is, when we have that experience... And we, and we do make ourselves vulnerable to somebody else. And then when you show the real you and they no longer accept you, it's one of the worst feelings that anybody could have in the world. It's scary. And it makes you feel like you're not good enough. I understand that. And that's why we are often reserved. We, we like to hold our cards close to the vest. But the kingdom of God is open to you. It's open to every single person, except the acceptance that is being offered. Thankfully, Smalls it took the invitation, and he said, yeah, absolutely. Well, after he was kind of convinced, and he decided to go ahead and, and to move forward. Later in the movie, the boys uh, at the Sandlot, they run out of baseballs. But Scotty remembers that his stepdad has a baseball at home. The problem is, the baseball is signed by Babe Ruth, who is obviously one of the greatest baseball players, if not the greatest baseball player to ever play. Signed by Babe Ruth. But Scotty doesn't tell anybody else. He doesn't even really know who Babe Ruth is. He thinks that Babe Ruth is a woman, actually, in the movie. He's like, Babe Ruth, he doesn't know who he is. And he, and, but he wants to impress his, his new friends. So they lose a baseball, and they're like, great, we don't have any more baseballs. We can't play anymore. And he says, wait, I have one. And he goes home, and he grabs a Babe Ruth baseball and brings it back, and they play together with it. And then all of a sudden, that ball gets hit over the fence. And the problem is, the fence that it's hit over is a yard with the biggest, scariest dog that you could ever imagine that they believe ate a child at some point. <laughs> 
So they're terrified, and now, they get, now the movie turns into a set of baseball. It's how do we get this ball back from the beast that is on the other side of this fence? And they, they wreak havoc, and it's, it's crazy, all these different things that happen. They end up creating more problems. Eventually, they get the baseball back, but, uh, but the dog gets hurt in the process, and it's a, it's a whole thing. So they have to go, and they've got to knock on the door of Mr. Myrtle, who owns the dog. It's his yard. And they think that Mr. Myrtle is the scariest person that has ever lived. They're terrified to go knock on his door. They think he's not nice and all those sort of things. But it's the only option left. They realize we have to go knock on his door because his fence fell down, his dog got out, all these things. And they go to talk to him, and they're terrified. And then what happens is a little bit different than what they had expected. So watch this. So Scotty had messed up, right? He made a big mistake. He, uh, he did something that he shouldn't have done. And uh, Mr. Myrtle recognized I love He said, you're not in trouble. You're dead where you stand, right? And sometimes we feel that way. Sometimes we feel like we fall short in such a drastic way that our life is over. And if anybody knows about this, then it's just going to be even worse. Mr. Myrtle does the, the unthinkable. Even though Scotty didn't deserve it, he gave him something even better than what he had lost, even when he didn't deserve it. It's not like he went and, and talked to Mr. Myrtle and said, hey, I'll mow your lawn for, for a year, and then, and then hopefully we can pay off the damage that we had done to your property. And he didn't know it's not any of that. He did the unthinkable. He just wanted to bless him. I think the thing that we often forget about when it comes to our relationship with God is that God wants and desires to bless you. That's what he wants to do. He wants to open up the floodgates and pour out his blessing in your life. It says in Luke 12, this is, this is Jesus talking, Luke 12, verse 32, do not be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Pleased. He wants to bless you. Sometimes we think that, that what God wants to do is judge us. What we think is that God wants to do is condemn us. He wants to pick apart your life and all the mistakes that, that you make and all the ways you fall short. He wants to just put you up there and undress you and embarrass you with all the ways that you are a terrible person. That, that's what we often think. Because sometimes, that's the way, actually not sometimes, oftentimes, that's the way that we treat each other. We pick each other apart. We look at our flaws and we say, can you believe this about this person? Can you believe, did you hear this? Did you hear what they did here? That's what we do to each other. That's not what God does to us. And because that's the way we often treat each other, then it gives us a false idea of how God relates with us. It gives us this sense that God is looking down on us and going, oh my goodness, Shane, you did this, 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 and this, and you, and you get up there and you preach on Sunday morning, and you, and you show up to church, and you do, who do you think you are that, that you're doing all these things when you fall short in all these areas, and then you got to stand, like we, it is so easy to go down that road, and it's a dangerous road to go down because it is not the road that God has called us to go down. When you mess up, and this makes zero sense in our world, when you mess up, God wants to continue to bless you. 
He wants to pour out his grace. He wants to pour out his love. Oftentimes, we are the ones who don't accept it. We have trouble accepting acceptance. We also have trouble accepting grace. Because the idea of grace, this is why it's so hard to wrap our minds around grace. Because it is exactly what you don't deserve in the best way possible. And, and in our lives, if we feel like we get something that we didn't deserve and it's something that we didn't want, like maybe somebody treated us in a bad way when we didn't do anything wrong, it's like the worst crime against humanity, is it not? If somebody does you wrong when you didn't deserve it, it's like, this is, of course, this is unbelievable, this is the way that my life is going to go, of course, I didn't even do anything wrong. And then we have to tell everybody don't we? We have to tell everybody, look, look at how great of a person I am. I didn't mess up, and then this person came along, and then they treated me this way. And we have to let everybody know. Why? Because justice must be served. It must be. Except when we're the ones who did something wrong. And when God pours out his grace in our lives, when we don't deserve it, it's so hard to accept because we know I don't show the same grace to people. I don't show the same grace to others. It's, it's so difficult. It's so simple and it's so difficult at the same time. We don't feel like we deserve grace, and that's 100% right. We don't. That's what it is. It's grace. The reality is that God wants to give you the kingdom bless you with the kingdom. He just wants to love you. He just wants to adopt you into his family. When we screw up, when we mess up, when we fall short, God is there for us and he gives us what we don't deserve. I am so thankful that we live in a world that isn't fair. So very thankful. Because if you and I lived in a world that was fair, we would not like the results. Because a fair world means that we all get what we deserve. And I don't know about you, but I've fallen short enough times in my life where I don't deserve the grace that God has provided. I don't. And God knows that I don't. And instead of picking me apart and judging me and saying how terrible of a person you are, do you know what he did? He sent Jesus to pay my price. <laughs> Blows my mind. Now, with that being said, God doesn't want us to continue to live our lives in a way that is harmful for us. It's not what he wants. And part of his blessing in our lives is to encourage us to live in a way that reflects his wisdom and his truth and his life. That, that's what grace is supposed to do for us. Grace is not supposed to make us turn around and be like, I got a get-out-of-jail-free card. I can do whatever I want. God provides grace in my life. No, that's, that's not what grace is supposed to do for us. Instead, grace should inspire us to live in a way where it says, man, God gave me that when I didn't deserve it. God treated me this way when I treated him this way. God provided a savior and salvation for my life when I just fell short constantly, when I was the one who spit in his face, when I was the one who was embarrassed of him, when I was around people who didn't know him, when I treated him this way. All those things. When, when I did all of those things, God still provided for me? God still paid the price for me? 
God still went above and beyond and sent his son to die for me? When that, it, it blows my mind. And it should, it should spur us to live a life that reflects him. And I, I would argue that if it doesn't do that, then you don't understand what God has done for you. If you live your life in a way that abuses grace rather than accepts grace, then you don't actually understand the grace that has been provided. Because if we understand, if we understand the grace that God's provided, it will change your daily life. It will change everything. Everything. I, we all desire acceptance. But the only acceptance that it's worth pursuing in this world is from Jesus, who just wants to bless. Will you allow him? Will, will you come alongside and say, okay? Don't, don't look at it and say, well, I'm not worthy. Yeah, we know. Neither am I. None of us are. None of us are worthy. Understand that regardless of your life, there is salvation. And this is a church that says anybody and everybody is welcome to receive the acceptance that God provides. But we can't make you accept. It's your choice. So I'm going to invite the worship team up as we get ready to close. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to, to end the service today with communion. Um, if you didn't, uh, we're going we're gonna to have people come up and receive communion. Is that, or did we pass it out? Pass out. Gotcha. So um, if you didn't receive communion yet or anything like that, um, Pastor Nicole has, has communion elements that, that she will pass out to you, and she'll make her way around if you just wave her down. But as we get ready to receive communion, we'll, we'll, we'll receive it together after we sing. Every time we take this, it is a recognition of grace. That's what it is, a means of grace. We have two sacraments in the church, communion and baptism, and it is a recognition of the grace that God has provided. And when we receive this communion, what we're saying is, God, we recognize the sacrifice that you have made. We recognize the fact that you laid your body on the line and allowed it to be beaten and crucified for me. When we receive the juice, we're saying, God, we recognize that you shed your blood for me when I didn't deserve it, and you made me pure and whole. Because of you, I have hope and life and life everlasting. So get your minds right. Don't let anything else get in the way. Slow down, take a deep breath, and recognize the grace and mercy that God provides. Amen? Let's stand and let's sing together.